0: glory. God, you always will be worthy of all glory, all honour and all praise forever and ever. And God, we just say amen. Right now, God, we just ask that you speak to us. That you'd open your word to us. We pray that we'd have ears to hear and eyes to see what you're doing. God, that you'd speak to our soul, that we'd leave here different to how we came in here, having an impartation of your Holy Spirit, your word in our hearts, in our lives, working and active. And God, we just pray that you'd speak to us so clearly. We know you're here already. God, we acknowledge your presence. God, we love you. Amen. Well, church, how are you doing? You can grab a seat. Feel free to high five someone on the way down. And just really quickly, want to say congratulations to some of our friends, John and Dawn, who had their 56th wedding anniversary this week. It's incredible, 56 years. We're only into our sixth year this year, me and Rach, so we'll see how we go. Um, Ask us in another 50, no, we'll make it. Everyone's laughing, they're like, oh, good luck, Dan. (laughs) Enjoy that. Anyway, who's been enjoying our biblical algorithm series so far? Yes, it has been so good. And this week we're going to continue, we're at week five, the church of Sardis, the church that is spiritually dead. Woo! Woo! I'm excited, I hope you are too. Um, If you've brought a notepad or notebook or if you take notes on your phone, feel free to grab that out right now. We're going to kick off from Revelation 3, so write that down. We're going to get into the word. Are you ready? Here we go. Revelations 3, 1 to 6 in the ESV says this, And to the angel of the church in Sardis, write the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard, keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I'll come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I'll come against you. Yet you have some still a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they walk with me in white, for they are worthy." The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments and will never blot his name out of the book of life. I'll confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. It's a pretty hectic scripture when you read it and then when you let it sink in and then when you think about it in your life and in the present context of today and maybe in just your life as a believer and you read that and you go, wow, wow. That's actually a real challenge. have not found your works complete inside of my God. You're spiritually dead. Strengthen what remains because what little is left is about to die. Ouch. Um, that hurts a bit. Anyway, but I just want to unpack this a bit more this morning and even get into how it applies to us individually and even as the church today in today's context because I don't know about you, but I don't think City Church is a church that's spiritually dead and I don't want to end up at that point in our lives or in the lives of me personally as a believer. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to get to heaven and go, oh, Dan, spiritually dead. Like, that's the challenge, right? And so the question is, then, how do we be spiritually alive and ready and doing and being and outworking what God's called us to? Amen? Anyone with me? No? Sounds good. Hey, so why don't we get a bit of context about Sardis, right? Because it's pretty old, pretty old city, pretty old context, pretty old place, pretty old culture. Anyway, so we get into this and we realise Sardis. This is a note in the footnotes of the Amplified Bible. It says Sardis, modern Sart-Turkey in Roman times, was a wealthy city known for the manufacture of dyeing of woolen fabrics and carpets. Originally, it was the capital of ancient Lydian Empire and was the first city to mint coinage. A stream that flowed through its marketplace carried gold dust from a nearby mountain. It's a pretty cool city. I wouldn't mind living next to that river and just occasionally scraping off the side, get a bit of gold and be like, woo, free money. It was situated at the junction of several important joints and trade routes, and that meant it brought even more wealth into the city, and also more than wealth, different cultures collided in this space. It was also well known in the ancient world for its connection with easy money, as we mentioned, you know, free money from the river. Sardis was seen to be the place where modern money was born, and also the city was conquered twice under Cyrus the Great and under Antiochus. Just old school names are hard to pronounce sometimes when you get tongue-tied. Due to the lack of adequate watchfulness. I find this point really interesting, right? Because when you look at the culture and then when you look at the geography of where Sardis was or modern-day Turkey, you realize that the Acropolis of it was built on this high mountain. And so they thought that by living there and over time, they were like, you know what? We can't be conquered. We've got it. We've got the best geographical location, defences. We're all sweet. And so they've got sentries. They've got guards, and they're there, and they're just like, you know what, we're just going to chill because no one's going to attack us. Like, <laughs> we're up here on the mountain. Come get us. And so they just didn't bother guarding, protecting, watching, looking out. And sometimes what I find interesting about this when you look at just the cultural context is how much it actually gets into the mindset of the believers of the church. Because they applied this cultural mindset to their calling. And so they thought, hey, because we have faith in Jesus, nothing's going to happen. We don't have to watch out. We don't have to look out. We don't have to be on guard because we've got God. It's all going to be good. But then how often... And even in our lives today as believers, and sometimes the challenge is for us who have been a believer for a while, not to let this mindset get into our lives as well, is going, we're not going to allow these things to conquer us. We're going to watch out. We've got to be on guard because if we don't, that's right when the enemy starts to creep in. It's when we get comfortable. We allow the culture to start determining how we're going to live, how we're going to act out our faith. That's exactly what happened here to the believers. They thought, you know what, no one's going to be able to conquer us. No one's going to be able to defeat us. So they just rested, they got comfortable, they got complacent, and what happens? They got conquered twice, the same issue, both times. And that's the challenge for us, hey, in our faith life, in our journey with Christ, not to get too comfortable and complacent. And that is the challenge of our culture and comfort, trying to creep into our lives as believers, as Christians in the church. You know, the challenge and the tension is actually to be on guard, to be ready, Yes, we have faith. Yes, we are saved through grace by Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for us. But that doesn't mean that we can just rest on our laurels and just sit down and go, I made it to church. I'm sweet. I prayed this week. I'm sweet. The challenge for us is to actually keep going, well, no, I have faith in Jesus Christ. I know I'm saved through grace. I know the work is done. It's finished. But I still want to be on guard, that I live out my faith in my day-to-day life, not just looking at those milestones and looking at the wealth or the past or the reputation I might have and going, actually, it's about today. And am I right with God today? Have I made my moments with God today? Have I devoted my life to Him? Have I fixed my attention on Him? Have I asked Him what His will is for me today? Am I looking out for those things that might creep into my life? Am I looking out for those attacks from the enemy and going, there's one coming. I'm going to see that. I'm going to adhere to that. I'm going to make some adjustments. I'm going to assess that and move forward. I'm not just going to sit there and rest in my chair and go, well, God saved me. I'm here. Made it. And so the challenge here and the challenge, and I love it in this scripture, in this note to Sardis, is that their reputation They have the reputation of being alive. But reputation and reality are often very different. Reputation lies in those past works, those things. And they're so proud of their past. They're so proud of the wealth. They're so proud of what they had once that that allowed them to get comfortable and just go, you know what, we've got a name for ourselves. We've made it. We did something good back there. And the trick for us and the trap for us as well is to not allow those milestone moments be the only moments that we have. It's to have those moments each and every day that we outwork our faith. And it's actually a huge trap in this generation because we look at those highlight reels, we look at those big moments and we go, this is it, I've made it. And the challenge is actually to not just live in those highlight moments, but to go, God, what are you doing today in this small thing? And yes, I know, it's not as glamorous We probably won't post it on Instagram. It's probably not going to be like, you know, it's not going to be like, oh, there was 20 other thousand people there. It was just me, by myself. Yes, it doesn't look great. It doesn't look glamorous. It's not the testimony that you want to share all the time. But it's the one of being faithful. It's the one of outworking your faith day in, day out, and going, hey, God, what do you want for me today? God, I'm here in this moment with you. God, what is it today? Not just going, oh, I did it 10 years ago at that conference. Let's have that faith, let's have that reality of being alive, not just the reputation of being alive. Let's actually fix our attention on God and go, God, what are you doing today in my life right now? What can I do for you because of what you did for me on the cross all those years ago? Let's have the reputation that we are actually alive today in the reality of the moment, not just in the past, not just the image, not just the highlight, but in the moments, the moments of each and every day. See, we love those highlight moments, but it's the still small voices, those still small steps, that faithfulness. That's actually such a huge testimony. Some people are like, I don't have a testimony, I just devoted my life to God every day. And I'm like, bro, that's a huge testimony. Like, if you did that each and every day and didn't just look at the conference moment or that highlight moment or that real or that huge milestone, but you went, I just was faithful day in, day out. It's those steps in the right direction. You look back and you look at where you once were and where you are now, and you go, God did that through each and every single day, each and every single moment committed to Him. He brought me this far, and I didn't even realize it because it was just a step at a time. It was just today. It was just the next day. It was just this time in God's presence. And He moved me inch by inch closer to Him, closer to who He's calling me to be. And I didn't look back, I didn't look back and go, oh, look at that huge moment, but it was just the day, the day in, the day out, that private time, that quiet time, that devotional time, that time sitting in his presence, resting, that time just reflecting on who he's called me to be, that time reflecting on what he did for me on the cross. It's those small moments. The trap for that, The trap for that the church us fell into was this. They allowed that mindset of culture to bring comfort to their calling. They forgot who God called them to be today they just allowed the comfort of the culture to go, you know what, we're fine, it's all going to be good, no one's going to be able to defeat us, no one's going to be able to conquer us and they just left it. So they thought that because their position, location, geography, they're sweet. They'll conquer twice just because they didn't watch and that's the trap and challenge for us as well, to make sure we are on guard. We're fixing our attention on Christ and moving forward in Him, but we're not just resting and going, I'm sweet, I'm saved, nothing's going to happen. Yeah, I made it to church, nothing's going to happen. That's the challenge, right? To face that and go, actually, you know what? I could still rock up to church, but I don't have to listen to anything. I don't have to fix my attention on God. I can be present here in body, but not really in mind or spirit. It's a chapel challenge. See, the other thing I just want to focus on is that... Like, this is me as well, so I'm blaming myself. How much the environment dictates dictates what you do? You know, you get in an environment, and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do it. This is why I can't work at home. Because um, if I work at home, I get distracted very easily. Um, Xbox, mowing the lawn, just walking out and looking at the grass. Like, I just get distracted. It's, if I'm on Instagram, it's, you know those mowing videos? Oh, they're so therapeutic. I just love, thank you. You see those whippersnipper lines? You're like, look at that clean edge. That's what happens if I stay at home, honestly. I'll come home, I'll have like this lawn tips video on YouTube going, just on the TV, watching it. Sometimes Gideon will watch it with me, and we're both just watching it, and Rachel's like, can you do something? I'm like, but I'm comfortable. I'm at home. This is my space. I can relax, do what I want. So I actually have to get out and actually go, okay, I need to set up a place that is going to fix my attention, that is going to fix my focus on what I want to do, on who God is, and then that's actually what motivates me and goes, yes, I'm here, I'm present, I want to be present with God, this is the place, this is the space for me to do that. And sometimes we need to remind ourselves that we're actually not dictated by the culture of the world or the environment of the world. That We have to realise that our citizenship, our environment, our culture is actually of heaven on earth in us through the Holy Spirit. And so we have to remind ourselves that we're not actually citizens on earth, we're citizens of heaven. That means we live in a different environment or a different mindset, a different culture. Even though it doesn't look like everything around us, we decide that God saved me through grace. I'm going to fix my attention on Him and allow His thoughts to lead my life, His environment, His mindset, His Holy Spirit working in and through me to dictate what I do in these moments. And the Bible says, Philippians 3.20, But we're citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we're eagerly awaiting Him to return as our Saviour. John 15, 19 says, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you sometimes. Ouch, but it's true. We are not of this world. We're in the world, but not of it. God's called us out of the world, out of our sin, out of our past, out of our shame, and we're called to live a new life in Christ. That means our lives have to look different to the world around us, to the culture around us. And so that's the challenge, is and sometimes the tension of our Christian faith and being spiritually alive is that we're actually butting heads with the world because the world would say, live this way. Jesus is saying, I've called you to live separate to that and live this way, to show my love, to show my grace, to show my mercy on this world. It's actually a huge challenge when you think about it. See, the past is great and so I don't want to bag out the past because some of those things we did in the past and the reputation we might have in the past is actually good, is actually God honouring. But the problem and the further trap is going that that was enough, that I've done all I needed to do. Didn't you see that? That was it. I served, this could get edgy, I served 30 years ago. That was enough, my time's done. How are you serving today though? What's your example? What's your representation of Christ look like today, not 30 years ago? Because unfortunately, we are living in today, not 30 years ago. And even in some ways, this is the challenge and trap to think about is because the devil's not going to attack us based off what we did in the past because he can't even change that. It's the past. It's done. In our pre-service meeting, Mary was praying. She said, we've been called to live in a hope and a future. That starts today. What I do today can affect the future. What God's calling me to today and stepping into his presence, his word, his will for my life today will change the outcome of my life in the future as well. So the challenge is to go, the past was the past. That's cool. Maybe it was good. Maybe it was bad. I'm going to leave it there and step into what God's calling me to today so that I can step forward to that hope, that future in Christ. I can step into becoming all he's called me to become today. And it starts in those moments. You know, there's this great quote on this exact passage in Revelations from Warren Wiseby and it says this, and stay with me because it's a bit long. It says this. In fact, even what they did have was about to die. To die. Why? Because the believers had gone to sleep. Twice in its long history the citadel at Sardis had been captured, each time because the sentries had failed to do their jobs faithfully. It is when the church's leaders and members get accustomed to their blessing and complacent about their ministry that the enemy finds his way in. The impression is that the assembly in Sardis was not aggressive in its witness to the city. There was no persecution because there was no invasion of the enemy's territory. No friction usually means no motion. The unsaved in Sardis, this hurts, saw the church as a respectable group of people who were neither dangerous nor desirable. They were decent people with a dying witness and a decaying ministry. We think about that today. What does City Church's witness look like in our community? How do people see us? Are they like, oh, they're a respectable group of people, but I don't really want to be like them? <laughs> we are called to actually show God's presence on earth, and that's attractive. We want people to see us and go, actually, there's something different about that person. I want to know what it is. There's something different. They, they seem to love me. They seem to be kind to me that it wasn't just being nice. There was something further to it. We want people to question those moments because it's actually God's presence in your life as a believer outworking and drawing people back to his kingdom. You all good? Awesome. Cool. Hey, there's a verse in here, verse 2, verse 3. It talks about repentance. I want to touch on this for just a moment because we actually have a responsibility to repentance. You know, it says this in verse 2 and verse 3. It says, Wake up and strengthen what remains and what is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. Oh no, repent. It's a scary word sometimes. Repent or you'll burn. Repent. The end is nigh. Repent. It's actually not that scary. Can we just... Put that off to the side for now. Repent. Let's actually think about it. It means the term signifies to have another mind, to change the opinion or purpose with regard to our sin or situation. It is the act of leaving what God has prohibited and returning to what he has commanded. This is the hard truth maybe for some of us, is the only person that can actually repent for you is you. The only person that can repent for me is me. I've actually got to acknowledge and pause for a moment and go, actually, God, I've done something wrong. God, I've not lived out how you wanted me to. God, I handled that situation wrong. God, I, um, I didn't acknowledge you in that moment. God, would you forgive me? Would you change my mind? Would you change my heart in this moment? God, I want to actually turn from what I was doing and fix my eyes on you again. I want to have my mind changed and transformed and renewed into all you're calling me to be. And I realized that I was doing that wrong. See, sometimes we get into the trap of thinking, oh yeah, I repented when I came to Christ. Isn't that what you do? Like that first moment, you just repent then? Yeah, you do. But also, we've got to get used to repenting more and more. Like even as Christians, we're not perfect. We're still faulty, we're still flawed, we still get things wrong. We still have situations that go, we still maybe act wrong, think wrong, do the wrong things. It's not about just doing that and going, I repented at the start, but like we've got to get used to going at the end of the day, hey God, today I didn't live as you would call me to. Hey God, in this moment, I missed it. God, in this moment, I didn't actually think about what you wanted. Would you forgive me? Would you help me to change my mind, to come back to you, to come back to your word, to come back to your will and live as you've called me to live? God, would you breathe your life into me again, that I can know you and be guided by you again? John F. Walwood said the letter to Sardis is a searching message to the churches today that are full of activity and are housed in beautiful buildings, but so often lacking in evidence of eternal life. Christ's word today is remember, repent and obey, just as it was to the church in Sardis. I so love that Ben touched on David from the Old Testament the other week because that's the perfect example who was known as the man after God's own heart. Why? Not because he did everything right, because he definitely didn't. Because he just came back time and time again, just repented and said, "God, forgive me." God has stuffed up. We got to get better at repenting in our lives personally, and the only person that can take the responsibility for that is you. Unfortunately. But that also means that it's you that gets right with God. It's you that comes back to Him. No one can do that. That's second-hand grace. That's second-hand revelation. When you get that first-hand revelation and repentance, God fills that with His Spirit again. We all good? Let's keep going. Hey, the other end of verse 3, I love this. Remember then what you had received and heard. What you have received and heard. Keep it. If you will not wake up, I'll come like a thief, and you won't know what hour or time I'll come. Remember what you received and heard. And so this bit caught me as I was reading it and thinking about this message and saying, what did I receive and hear? What have I received and heard? And it took me all the way back to that very first moment I encountered Christ because what I received was His grace and salvation. How did I receive it? By hearing the gospel message preached and I received His grace and salvation. That changed everything. And so even today... I want to remind you to remember what you received and heard. If you're living in a relationship with Christ, remember that you received Christ. You received that relationship. You received that invitation to community with Him. You received it. You received salvation. Ephesians 2.8.9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not for yourselves. It's a gift from God, not by works so that no one can boast. We receive salvation. Maybe that doesn't, like, inspire you anymore or, like, excite you. I don't know, but do you remember what your life was like before Christ? Do you remember how your life was? And then do you remember having that moment with Jesus and what your life can be and is when you become and when you step into all he's calling you to be? You know that there should be a difference between that old life and your new life with Christ. Remember that we have salvation, we have grace, we have a relationship with God, we have access to him all the time, 24-7, wherever you are, wherever you are, whenever it is, you have access to a king who loves you, who died for you, who died to save you, bring him back into a relationship with him. Like, we received salvation, we didn't deserve it, we couldn't earn it, we got it anyway. We got it by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And so I want to start here on a moment or park here, really, because we receive faith through salvation, through grace in Christ, right? And so that means that I have faith for today. I have faith for the future. I know that the past has done it, but I have faith that God can move today. I have faith through salvation, through the grace of Jesus Christ, that he can work in my life today. Because he already did it all those years ago on the cross. So here's the challenge, because sometimes we think faith, we just get everything handed to us. There's no battle. There's no fight. But actually, there often is sometimes. God says, take heart, I've overcome the world. Because in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome it. We are more than conquerors through Christ who gives us strength. Why would we need to be more than conquerors if everything was going to be easy? Because there is a fight. There's a fight to faith. There's a fight to choose to believe. There's a fight to choose to stay in relationship. There's a fight to choose God's word and God's will for your life rather than what the situation, rather than what your peers, rather than what the environment would have you. There's a fight to choose God over that circumstance or situation there's a fight to choose to believe maybe you've been hitting brick walls and you keep going I can't break through I can't break through there's a fight to choose to believe that God has a way and he can break down that wall or situation in any moment there's a fight to believe and say even though I don't see it even though I can't experience it or feel it I'm going to still choose to believe that God could do it because he's done it before and why is it such a fight because our flesh our nature isn't meant to do that we want to see things we want the evidence we want it here we want it tangible whole thing of faith is it's not tangible hebrews 11 1, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about we what we do not see we don't see it and it's not tangible but it's the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance in what we do not see That's where the tension is. I've got to choose to believe it even though I don't see it. I've got to choose to believe it even though I don't see it. I'm going to choose to believe God's word even though my circumstance would say otherwise. Even when the doctor report says otherwise, I'm going to choose that God's got something better for me, that God's still working in this moment, that there's a miracle still happening. There's a tension there, but I'm going to choose to believe. I'm going to fight that flesh and go, no, you have no power over me because I've been saved through grace, in faith, in Jesus Christ. He's finished it on the cross for me and He's going to do it again in my life. Even though I don't see it, I'm going to choose to believe it. I'm going to choose to stand on His word. Even when the world would tell me to believe their message, I'm going to look at what God said in His word and go, this is the promise He made for me. This is the covenant He made for me. This is the declaration He said about my life. I'm going to choose to believe that and step in on that. Even though I don't see it, I'm going to choose to trust. I'm going to choose to believe. I'm going to choose to take his word at his word. You know, when he said to the disciples in Matthew, get on a boat, cross to the other side. He didn't tell them there was a storm in the middle. He just said, go to the other side. I'll meet you there. They had to choose to get in that boat, to go to the other side. And then the storm happens. Ah! Jesus comes, he's like, chill. Chill. I said, we're going to the other side. Like, choose to believe that my word is true and I'm faithful to my word and I'll do what I said to So when I said, we're going to the other side, we're going to the other side. We're going to the other side and God's there with us. His presence is there with us. Even though we don't see it, we don't feel it all the time, that's the fight. It doesn't feel like this on Monday or Tuesday. Maybe I'm not in that highlight moment. Maybe I'm not in a church community that encourages me and pushes me further into God. But I know that God's presence is with me today. I know that I have access to Him through the Holy Spirit who's alive and working in my life today. And wherever I am, I take God's presence with me. So I'm already going to believe. I'm going to step out and believe that God wants to meet me on a Tuesday or on a Wednesday at my workplace or in a situation or you know, whatever's going on. I'm going to choose to believe that God actually wants to see me through He brings all things together for good for those who love him, who are called according to his plan and purpose. You know, it sounds cliche, but if it's not good, it's not finished yet. Well, yeah, I'm going to believe that because that's what God said. I'm going to choose to see it through because God wants me to walk through it. You know, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And so I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but I know that God's presence is with me. I know that He's comforting me. I know that His rod and staff are there protecting me and they're leading me. And I'm going to make it through because I have His presence with me and on me. Believe that you're anointed. His Holy Spirit's in you. You know, Jesus said He's sending another of the same kind, the Holy Spirit, to work in you, to be a standby, to be a comforter, to lead you into all truth, the truth of Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible says that signs and wonders will accompany the message of Christ. means we've got to speak the message. We've got to declare God's word of our life, and then signs and wonders will come. We're not looking for signs and wonders to then believe. We believe, and then the signs and wonders confirm it. And so this morning, I just wanted to maybe encourage you, encourage your faith that I know it is hard sometimes. I know there's challenges, but God's there with you. And when you feel spiritually dead, when you feel empty, it's a perfect moment to just stop and say, God, I feel empty. I repent of whatever it is that's taken me to this point. God, would you fill me again with your spirit that I might be alive in you, that I might be able to abide in you and walk with you again? And then we go. We choose to believe. We fight that flesh and we go, I'm going to choose to stand in faith and believe that God's way is higher, that God's going to make a way, that God's going to see me through and I'm going to be able to continue to walk, continue to believe, even though the world will tell me otherwise. I'm going to take God's word and remain in him. I wonder if maybe the team can come up and join us. And I wonder, would you stand with me? And I'd love to pray just for a few things. Maybe you're here today in this room watching online and maybe you realised or you've just had that moment to stop and go, maybe I feel dry, maybe I do feel spiritually dead because when we talk about spiritually dead, there's two things and there's either not knowing Jesus that can be spiritually dead Well, there's knowing Jesus, but not being active and alive in that. And that's more what I'm focusing on today or touching on today because God calls us to be alive. Ezekiel 37, he goes into a valley, he sees a field of a valley of dry bones and God says, speak to them that they might form and speak to them that my life, my breath might fill them. They could be an army again. And so that's the promise that we can be alive again, that God wants to speak to us again, that God wants to form us again, to fill us again. So maybe you're one of those two people. I just wonder if we can pray this morning as a moment and we can just come back to that, come back to knowing that the Holy Spirit's in us, that God's made a way for us, that we can have a life and life more abundantly in and through him. And I just wonder if you'd repeat after me as we pray and just take this moment to acknowledge God. Say, God, thank you for your love. I'm sorry for the times I've left you behind. This morning, I want to know you. I want a relationship with you. Would you be my Lord and my Savior? Forgive me of my sins. I choose to believe in you. Amen. You know, I wonder, maybe you prayed that prayer and maybe you would acknowledge this morning that, yeah, yeah have been a bit dry spiritually or dead, but now I want to strengthen what remains. I want to remember what I heard and what I received. I wonder if just for a moment you could close your eyes and just bow your heads for a moment of privacy and maybe you prayed that prayer or maybe you don't know Jesus yet and you said, hey, I I want to know this guy. I've been spiritually dead, but now I'm hearing about this guy, Jesus. I want to know him. I wonder if you'd just raise your hand and just acknowledge that, yeah, that was me. I prayed that. Now, like I said in Romans 10, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Just for a moment. Awesome. God, thank you for your presence. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you are right here. And even when we feel dry or spiritually dead, that you are alive. You're moving and you want us to be alive in you again you want to breathe your breath your spirit into us that we would know you that we'd be closer to you that we'd be drawn to you god we just pray that we'd come to know you more and more deeper and deeper god even if it's the same truth but just on a deeper level that we'd get that revelation of how much you love us you care about us and god we're stepping into a future with you we're looking at our moments day in day out throughout the week we're not looking for those milestones we don't want to live on the reputation of the past but in the reality with you a relationship with you. And God, we love you. We pray that you'd bless us, that you'd reveal yourself to us. We know you're already here, but open our eyes to see you. Open our ears to hear you, to see what you're doing and understand and be able to step in accordance with what you've commanded, and what you're calling each of us to. God, we just pray that you'd have your way in our lives. Amen. You know, um, his spirit is here and alive and moving and I just wonder as the team starts to sing and declare God's word, maybe you have felt like that and this is the perfect opportunity, this is the perfect environment really to come back to God and, you know, say, God, I repent, I need you. Would you fill me afresh? You know, the Bible says that man should not live by bread and bread alone, but by every word. And I totally believe that one word from God can change the trajectory of your life, can speak to your situation, speak to your circumstance. And so I wonder as the team begin to lead and declare and sing out, if maybe that's you and you just want that word, you just want that prayer, maybe you just need someone to stand by you and go, I'm believing with you, I'm gonna to choose to believe with you for your situation. I'm just wonder and just invite you to come to the front, to come to the altar, and just surrender again and go, God, I need that word, I need that moment. God, would you speak to me? And so, as the team leader, why not come? The prayer team's gonna be available, pastors will be available to pray to stand with you. But let's just declare and fix our attention on God again, knowing that He's here and present.